Let's start with the Nokar mantra. Namo Arihantanam, Namo Siddhanam, Namo Ayanyanam, Namo Ujjayanam, Namo Loe Sarasalanam, Eso Panchanamukaro, Sarva Paha Pranasano, Mangala Lancho Sarvesim, Paramam Bhave Mangalam. Last week we did an overview on meditation. We learned how to start, what some of the different types of meditation are, and we gave some tips for beginners, and we tried our hand at a couple meditations. So an important question that came up was, how is mindfulness different from meditation? So in meditation, you st- typically it lasts a certain amount of time, like 10 minutes or an hour, and you're either sitting or standing, and you turn your attention inward. But mindfulness is the act of paying attention to whatever you're doing in your day-to-day life and noticing all of the inputs that come, that's coming from your senses and especially noticing your thoughts. Um, and so when you're being actively mindful, uh, you notice the world around you and that includes your thoughts. Whereas in meditation, it's, it's generally uh, turned inward. And there are different types of meditation, as we discussed. Uh, There's breath awareness meditation, loving kindness meditation. You can do a mantra or a visualization. And the tricky part is why people get confused between mindfulness and meditation is that you can do mindfulness meditation. Now, that is not being mindful because being mindful is just going about your everyday life. But the exercises for mindfulness meditation are how to be mindful as you're going along through your everyday life. So for example, you remember we focused on the breath and how it starts and how you feel during it and how it stops. Well, that exercise helps you be mindful in your everyday life, right? Because we're trying to notice all of the things around us uh, and we're trying to pay attention to our sensory inputs and which includes our thoughts and feelings. And so the great thing about mindfulness is you can practice it anywhere, anytime. uh, And as long as you are being fully engaged in the present moment, because as we discussed, uh, many people go about their daily lives in a type of fog or a type of dream, right? And we're trying to wake up from that. So I mentioned that you can practice mindfulness anytime. So let's try it right now. Okay. You don't have to close your eyes. In fact, you probably shouldn't close your eyes because we're trying to engage all of our senses. So first, notice what you see. Thank you to everybody just joining us. We're trying our first mindfulness exercise. Feel free to look around the room. Feel free to look at other people, look at each other. And what you'll start to notice are things you've actually never seen before. Like, you've never seen those marks on the wall before. You kind of knew they were there, but you never really looked at them. You've never seen that that sign was broken right there 
Hey, come on in. We're trying our first mindfulness exercise. When you really start to pay attention, it's like you're looking at something with new eyes, a new set of eyes. I think that uh, an example everybody could relate to is when you're writing something and you proof it uh, and you have somebody, a second set of eyes look at it, they notice things you didn't notice, right? Because it's new to them. They're not, they're not, they don't have a lot of experience with the document that you're writing. And so they catch your mistakes, right? Same thing with mindfulness. As we take a look around the room, you'll notice things with a set of new eyes. You'll notice that, well, you never saw that that was a dolly over there. You kind of just knew there was a lot of stuff over there. But wow, there's a dolly right there, you know? And that includes the things you hear. So pay attention to the things you hear. You've always heard that kind of murmuring going on outside, but when you pay attention to what you hear, you can detect how many conversations are going on. You can figure out who's speaking most of the time. Focus on what you can feel. You can always feel your clothes touching you, even if we're just sitting here. You can always feel which parts of your body are in contact with the ground. Focus on what you can smell. And focus on what you can taste. The taste in your mouth is constantly fluctuating whether or not you've had anything to eat. When you come into the present moment, it's like someone turned the volume up on all of your senses. It's like experiencing a different reality than the one that you're used to. It feels as good as any drug you've ever taken. And you can do this at any time in your life. Hey, come on in. We just tried our first mindfulness exercise. So questions or comments? Did anybody notice a difference? Or did you kind of sit there doing nothing and not feel any different? That's fine, if, that's what, if that was your experience. This is uh, linked to what we did last time. Yes, last time we did like an intro to meditation. Now we're doing an intro to mindfulness. We started off with the difference between meditation and mindfulness. That is, meditation is typically for a certain amount of time and it's typically turned inward. 
Mindfulness is noticing all the input from all of your senses and being aware, especially of your thoughts and feelings as you experience it in your day-to-day life. So when we did a mindfulness exercise, we didn't close our eyes. We didn't try to um, uh, set a certain time limit on it, things like that, because we want to practice mindfulness being in, in our everyday life. And we want to what's called live in the present moment, which sounds easy, but it's it's very hard. And some people don't understand that. Uh, some people don't understand what it means when somebody says live in the present moment, or they've heard that from somewhere, but they don't understand. Aren't I always living in the present moment? They don't understand what it means. And hopefully that exercise has showed you something. Did anybody feel anything different during that exercise? Yeah, I mean, first time when noticing everything in the room, yeah, you know there are things there, but like you right. mentioned, right? Yes, I never noticed there are marks on the wall, there's right. stuff in the back. You just like generalize stuff, but when you are focusing, you can, oh, you can see like specific items and that you never noticed before. Right. And so when we live in the present moment, we're always seeing things we've never noticed before. And we're always seeing interesting and brand new things. And I had you focus on each one of your senses individually, right? But now imagine the volume was turned up on all your senses at the same time, because you're experiencing all of your senses at the same time, right? And imagine now you are also noticing how you react to those different stimuli because you're noticing the thoughts in your brain as they pass like clouds through a sky. Well, that's a lot of stuff to take in, isn't it? That's a lot of input you're noticing at once. And that's why you'll never be bored if you practice mindfulness, because everything is always interesting, no matter what you're doing. Even if you're sitting and breathing, it's always extremely interesting because there's so many things uh, going on and so many things that your brain reacts to. So I mentioned you can do it at any time you want, and it makes you, uh, notice that everything is very interesting. So why aren't we doing mindfulness all the time? Um, it's because it can, it's very hard for us to stay in the present moment, right? Um, in fact, a Harvard study found that people spend a little bit south of 50% of their time thinking about something else other than what they're doing right now. That's how hard it is to stay in the present moment. <clears throat> Isn't it like kind of contrasting to meditation where meditation, you have to focus at one thing, kind of, you know, zone out from others. Whereas right. here, you're, you're supposed to look at everything and keep yourself more busy. Right. So it depends what kind of meditation you're doing. There are many different kinds of meditation, but yes, meditation, uh, yes and no. Meditation is typically turned inward. We want to monitor our thoughts if we're doing a particular kind of meditation. Uh, we want to, we're not, yes. So I guess a good way to answer that is in meditation, we're just trying to notice the thoughts that our subconscious is delivering to our conscious mind. We're not focused on our senses, right? That's why we sit or we stand in one place. In mindfulness, you are focused on your senses and what they, and how your thoughts react to those senses. Yeah. So do you, would you call that opposite? I don't know. Do you know the opposite of, of course. From my 
means my point of view, mindfulness is the second step of meditation. Mm-hmm. Because, like, whenever at least what I have seen, is I'm looking around, but my mind is so busy that it won't register even if it's going through my eyes. Right. Or I, even if I'm listening, it, it just won't register because mind is too busy. So meditation frees up that mind. So now those things can be registered because the mind is not going into the those thoughts and not staying busy. It frees up to register. That's what I was thinking. Mm. Suppose uh, someone is working okay, and he's not noticing what's happening nearby. Well, a lot of times when we're working, we want to avoid distractions. We don't want to hear those things because we want to be concentrated on our work because we have work to do, you know? So uh, when you say, is it right? I would say it is right to be focused on work when you're working and tune out distractions. But when you start practicing mindfulness, what will happen is the first step is you will, while you're working and you're on your computer, you will register those things and they will distract you. But the second step is, well, you will register those things and they will be just another appearance in consciousness that you'll let go and you'll register it, but it won't distract you. So there's a couple of levels you have to get through. And so when you're being very mindful, you can work, you can notice distractions and it won't distract you from your work. You'll just notice it. But if you want to focus on something and try to not be distracted, I encourage you to do that because we're trying to not live a distracted life. So uh, one of the problems that we face that we're not doing mindfulness all the time is because our brain uh, loves to make shortcuts and compartmentalize things. And that's for a number of reasons. And it's primarily because our brain needs to know what is a threat and what isn't a threat. And anytime something is not a threat, our brain loves to ignore it because it's not important. So if you're doing something mundane, like you're brushing your teeth, your brain realizes this activity that you're doing is not a threat at all. So what does it do? It invents threats while you're brushing your teeth. It forces you to think about, oh, I had an argument with my wife. Or it forces you to think about that outrageous news item that you heard, right? Or it forces you to think about that presentation you have coming up when you're nervous about it, right? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous, right? You're just sitting there, you're just brushing your teeth. And you would think your brain would reward you for taking care of your body by, I don't know, releasing some soothing chemicals or some pleasure-inducing chemicals because you're taking care of your body and it wants you to take care of your body. No, it degrades the quality of your life because your brain is addicted to focusing on threats. And what's one of those things those threats I mentioned have in common? 
You focused on an argument you had with your wife or husband. You focused on um, the news article you read, or you focused on an upcoming presentation. The things all of those have in common is that they're in the past or in the future. They're not what you're doing right now. So it's pulling you out of the present moment. And that's why we live 50% of our time not in the present moment, because I would argue that 99% of your life, you're not in a threat situation, right? So your brain is trying to pull you out of the present moment 99% of your, of your life. So that's what I mean. when If you don't understand when I mean, oh, you're, when I say you're living in a dream or it's as if you're going through life in a fog, that's what I mean. Your brain is trying to pull you out of the present moment to think about the past or to think about the future. And you're living in the past or you're living in the future. You're not living now. Questions or comments about that? It is hard to do that. No matter what, your, your brain you. is always like, keep thinking about <laughs> different stuff, right? Even though you try to occupy, I'm being honest, I'm listening to you, but at the same time, I'm like, sure. 100 different thoughts going on in my you know, right. mind. It, it's just hard to concentrate. Exactly. And, it, and that's one of the things. It's easy for us to say. And it's easy for me to sit here and, you know, lecture you or wag my finger, which is not what I'm doing at all, right? I fully understand this is extremely hard. And the problem is, the reason that a lot of people don't know it is that it's hardest at the beginning. That first step is the hardest step you'll ever take. That first time you devote five minutes to sit down to meditate. Or that first time you say, hey, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to practice mindfulness while doing it. That's the hardest time. And that's where so many people fail. And when some, some people fail and they give up and then, you know, they judge themselves harshly for it. Um, and so it's definitely not easy. Um, it's definitely hard. And that's why we're here to support each other. Other questions or comments? Hey, I got a question for you guys. Does anybody here have a good sense of direction? You don't get lost that easy. Yeah? Why do you think you have that good sense of direction? What do you attribute that to? Because you always pay attention when you're going somewhere. Right. Did get, how did I get here? Right. Right. If the place is familiar, then we'll not get uh, lost right. in the direction. But if you're going to the new place, uh -huh. then you have to remember which direction you... Right. Which then direction you went? Otherwise, you will not. Right. Although now that apps made it easier, it's like, now nah, I don't need to worry about it as much, you know? That's right. Like, even if you go to a new place, it's like, oh, now nah, worry, just Google it. No. <laughs> just follow it, you know? So it's not. to be better before GPS. <laughs> yeah. You used to remember. So you, you have, have to bring it up. That's the same with the phone number. Yes. Right. For very long, I remember everybody's number. Yeah. yeah. Now I don't know any number other than my wife's number, actually. Right. So. It definitely helpful. <laughs> so let's try an exercise. Okay. Close your eyes. You know what you look like. And you know what this room looks like. So imagine looking at yourself sitting in this room from a third person point of view. 
from outside of your body, as if you were on a TV show. you know what this building looks like. So, in your mind, zoom out and picture yourself in this building. You know what the streets around here look like. So, zoom out and picture yourself in this building on these streets. You know how you drove here today. So picture yourself on that map. You know what the shape of Texas looks like, even though those lines are imaginary. So picture yourself where we are in the state, on those streets, in that building, in this room. You know what the earth looks like, and you know where you are on the earth. So picture yourself as a little dot on that GPS, on that map. So let me take you back to the city map, where you're a little dot on the map of the city. Imagine you're traveling from your home to your work. You know what your car looks like. You know what the streets look like, so you can picture yourself in your car going to work. So now that you have pictured that, this is how people that are very have a good sense of direction, <clears throat> excuse me, think all the time. They always know where they are on that map. They never know, not know which way north or east or south or west is because it's very obvious to them how they got here, which direction they traveled here. People with a, an extremely good sense of direction always know which way they're facing. They always know if they're facing north or south and it's very obvious to them and it's amazing to them that you do not know because they are constantly aware of that little dot on the map. So you can open your eyes now. That is a type of mindfulness. And you might be wondering like, okay, I did that visualization. Is that what people with a good sense of direction visualize all the time? Yes. Okay. Is that what you think about? You have a great sense of direction? Normally you don't even think about it anymore. It's just like, right. you know it, right? Like right daily stuff but if you need to go to a new place yeah I think about it where I am on the on right. the map on the map right but I don't have that north south because I could be facing south I don't know I'm facing south right 
until I looked at the map. So very people with a very good sense of direction, you know what they always do? They always look at the sun. Right? Yeah. And they always say, oh, they always orient themselves like that. And so you might think it's exhausting to do that. They think it's fun, right? It's, they think it's fun to do that, and it's, it's good to know which way I'm facing. How can you not know which way you're facing? And that is a technique. That is a window into mindfulness, okay? So somebody that's very good at mindfulness experiences, you might say, well, we all experience the world the same. We do not, okay? Just like I showed you how somebody who is good with directions experiences the world, Somebody that experiences mindfulness is that different from you in experiencing the world. They're always thinking about what's around me. What's, what are my senses taking in? How is that affecting my thoughts? Even when you mention you're, you're listening to me and you're having a bunch of different other thoughts, they're noticing those thoughts and they're noticing which ones are relevant and which ones are not relevant. And they're that makes them more present in the, their everyday life, the things that they do every day. Uh, they listen to, when they're making dinner, they listen to the sounds of the cutting board, okay? They hear the sounds of the cooking. They smell it, you know? They realize their mouth starts watering. That's different from when you and I cook dinner. When, I, when we cook dinner, we're worried about getting the kids ready or we're worried about what's going on with school tomorrow. We're worried about our presentation tomorrow, right? We're not doing that. They are living, people that are mindfulness are, I hope I've given you a taste that they have a completely different subjective reality to how they see the world. Uh, I've noticed people have mindfulness for different, different items based on the interest. Right. Right. Like what you were saying, north-south. So I know a lot of time when I used to drive without GPS and all, I used to know like, okay, I'm northeast of this and I want to go. So this is how I'm going to go, right? But cooking, no. Right? <laughs> Same way if you know, if you see the, some of the videos of like famous chefs and all, they would just, by the smell, they would say like, okay, yeah, this is a good, this is not good and all, right? right. So it's based on interest also like uh, what I've seen like uh, You're absolutely right. And my challenge to you is be interested in the inputs your senses are receiving. Then you'll be interested in everything. Be interested in how many parts of your body can feel the floor. Be interested in how your clothes feel. Be interested in this noise that you hear. Be interested in the things that you see. And remember, you can see things with new eyes, you know? Your brain loves to compartmentalize and ignore. But instead of, if once you're interested in that, you won't be just chained to thinking about what your actual real hobbies are or something like that. So one of the, in the definition of mindfulness that I brought up is that you notice things, but you, don't evaluate those things. That is, you don't judge those things that you take in. And especially you don't judge the thoughts that you have around that sensory input. Why is that? Why do we not judge those things? Why is one of the definitions of mindfulness, hey, take it in, but don't make a value judgment on those things. 
So that's how your thought process starts, right? Exactly. Once you start judging whether they're good or bad, you're taken out of the present moment right. because you're thinking about, well, was that good or was that bad? Was that good that I had that thought? Or does that make me a bad person that I had that thought? You know, it, it, it starts that thought process, like you said, and it leads you down that rabbit hole. And then you realize, oh, I got, I got caught thinking. I got to go back. I got trapped by my thoughts. I got to go back and remember, I can let thoughts go and pay attention to particular thoughts. And also, if you judge yourself harshly each time um, you, for example, get trapped by your thoughts, you'll never be a mindful person. You'll, all, you'll just quit, okay? Because it's so hard at the beginning. If you, if you kick yourself every time you fail, you're, you're never going to win, okay? So that's one of the main reasons that we don't want to make a value judgment on the things that we're experiencing. All right, so let's practice a meditation that will help us with mindfulness. So we know the difference, right? So we're going to just practice a meditation that will help us with mindfulness when we're ready to do mindfulness. All right, so close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And see if you can pay attention to how your feet are feeling. And now see if you can move that attention to how your legs are feeling. See if you can move that attention to how your lower body is feeling. See if you can move that attention to how your midsection is feeling, on the inside and outside. See if you can move that attention to how your chest is feeling and how it feels when you breathe in and out. How are your hands feeling? How do your arms feel? Is there any tension in your back? Does your body itch at any place?
How does it feel inside of your head? Can you feel your ears? attention to the top of your head. Try taking a deep breath and feeling all of your body at once. open your eyes. Did anybody feel anything differently? I mean, other than realizing how my body is hurting. Right. So that was a meditation to practice mindfulness. That is, we can check in with our body at any time. We don't have to close our eyes. We can move our attention throughout our body. And similar to that, we can move our attention to different senses. So once you start out with that and you realize, hey, I can pay attention to different things. And I can pay, pay attention to multiple things at once. You can try to start paying attention to multiple sensory inputs at once. And pay attention, most importantly, to how they affect your thoughts. And you can do this at any time for any kind of simple task. I mean, we talked about brushing your teeth, right? What do you think you can pay attention to when you brush your teeth? Cleaning your teeth properly, I guess. Mm -hmm. How long you doing Right. How about the sound of brushing your teeth? Or the feeling of doing it? I mean, it's something you've done a thousand times. What do you think about when you brush your teeth? Everything but brushing your teeth, right? You can think about how, how it looks around you, right? Just like we saw this room with new eyes. You can see your bathroom with new eyes. You can smell the toothpaste for the first time. You can taste the toothpaste for the first time by paying attention to the taste. Just like you paid attention to different parts of your body, you can pay attention to different things. And if you can make something as mundane as brushing your teeth an interesting exercise, well, you can make your entire life a kind of a carnival because your entire life, everything you do is extremely interesting. And you'll never be bored again. It's weird. I think kids do this. Right. Most of the time, like, they're paying attention to what they're doing all the time. Right. When you realize it. Especially the younger ones. They think, like, oh, like, it's really like, oh, this too hurt. Oh, this thing is wiggling. And then, like, I need to in here. In here. <laughs> so they're paying attention throughout. Like, while they're playing, they're paying attention to just the playing. They don't care about anything. Right. And uh, children are very good at that because your brain 
thinks that the things that you've done a million times are boring. And it wants to pull you out of that to focus on threats, right? And a kid is not like that because a kid is doing it for one of the first times, right? You've brushed your teeth a thousand times, but he's done it maybe hundreds of times, right? So it's still a novel experience. That's why a lot of times one of the only kind of ways we live in the present moment is sex because it pulls us it's so novel and so new i mean not new but so pleasurable that it forces us and it activates all of our senses right it forces us to be in the present we're not thinking about the future we're not thinking about the past you know the same way if you're engrossed in a good book or something you're Forget that you had a job, you know, because you're just thinking about the book or you're engrossed in a good television show or something that pulls you into the present. Kids are very easily able to be pulled into the present moment. That goes with most of the hobbies, right? If you, like he mentioned right earlier, mm -hmm. if you enjoy something, you are, you are more mindful. You are more in present for that. Like some people enjoy watching movie or reading right. a book or exercise. Then you are focusing on that because you really enjoy. It. You want to do it. Right. Whereas otherwise, it, your mind is always wandering around. Right. And that's what mindfulness is: is to let you enter that state in every action you perform in your everyday life, even if you're doing mundane things, even if you're at work even if you're doing things you don't want to be doing. You'll have that very interesting intensity to the experience. And once you have a taste of that, you will realize that you've been living in a dream and you've been walking through this life without experiencing. And so once you realize that, you will start to understand when people say, you're living in a cage. You know, people say that and you have no idea what they mean. Like, you're living in a prison. I'm not living in a prison. I'm living here on earth. No, it's actually true. You are living in a, in a, in a cage. You're imprisoned by your own mind. That is, you have set up the bars of your own cage and you tell yourself that you are not living in a cage. Mindfulness is how you see the bars of the cage that you live in. And you only understand it when you have a goal and you see how many things stop you from achieving that goal. For example, I have a goal. Hey, come on in. I have a goal. I want to be a published author, right? I want to write a book, right? I know that I have to write every day when I get home, right? But when I get home, guess what I got to do? I got to put the kids to bed. I gotta take out the trash, right? I gotta pay the bills, right? Now, you know you're on the right track when you start resenting those responsibilities because they get in the way of your goals. The catch, now what are your goals? The catch is your goals can't be money and it can't be the opposite sex, okay? But what are your goals beside that? Well, you'll start to see how hard they are to accomplish as you start to be mindful of what's preventing you from accomplishing those goals. And most likely it's yourself, okay? That's what I mean when they say, you are the architect of the prison of your mind. 
And mindfulness is how you start seeing the bars that imprison you. Now, Timur, what are you saying? My chores and my family are imprisoning me? Well, they're stopping you from achieving your goals. The way you have set up your life is stopping you from achieving your goals. That house you bought is not an asset, it's a liability. That car you bought is not an asset, it's a liability. That job you have is not an asset. That job is a liability. It's stopping you from achieving your goals. So we talked about the bad things, but what about the good things, okay? I, I'm not going to hide the ball. I never want to do that, right? What can you accomplish if you become a really mindful person? Well, you can, because you can focus on multiple things at once in the present moment, you can read the body language of somebody you're talking to and not only understand and listen to the words they're saying, but interpret the way their body is moving, like a real FBI agent. It's possible if you get uh, good at mindfulness to be refreshed and energized after five deep breaths. You ever been tired at the end of the day? Have, it's possible to get yourself out of being tired by taking five mindful breaths, no matter how tired you are. It's possible to re-energize yourself in every moment. It's possible, it's so rare to have that feeling of, this is what I want to be doing right here, right now. This is where I should be. It's very rare to have that feeling. But with mindfulness, it's possible to have that feeling in every moment. That this is exactly where I should be. This is exactly what I should be doing because I'm working towards my goals. Mindfulness will give you a better understanding of reality. And once you start, you're not going to want to stop. Once you start, there's no other drug that can compare to the injection of reality into your veins. And it's all in the book. Once you start reading the book and you understand that it's the truth, you never want to stop reading the book. You ever, uh, you ever read something and then... You're like, that's it. I don't want to read anything in that genre anymore because that was the best. Like maybe it's like you saw the best sci-fi movie you're ever going to see. And all other ones, you know, don't compare. And you don't even want to try a new one because it's not going to be as good as the one you saw. Right? You know it's not. Or you ever read a book that you were really amazed at and there's another book about the same subject and you know it's not going to be as good. That's what reading our textbook is like. Once you start reading the textbook and understanding that it's the truth, you don't really care about television or movies, or you don't care about conversations you had with people that go nowhere. You don't really care about what you're eating. You don't really care about anything but the truth. Questions or comments? How do I motivate myself to read that book? Because that is exactly what I want to do. You know, I've, I've pretty much compartmentalized my day in such a way where you know, in the mornings, 6.30 to 8.30 is my personal time, 8.30 to 
9.30 I spend time with Cheetal, 9.30 I'm off to my work. Um, <clears throat> pretty much I write down like to-do notes what you have taught and I've learned myself. So my day is very focused. 5.30 I'm like done, S spend some time here and then 6.30, 7 I'm home, 7.30 to 9.30 is my protected time. 9.30 I have my own time with Cheetal and you know whatever we have to do. 10.30 I'm in the bed, try to read a book or whatever. Anybody have any answers for Kenjal? I'm still not motivated to read our book. I can read it. Sheetal has bought me so many books. She has made me an amazing reader. But, um, and I understand, you know, I, I know that it's important, but um, I try to live by what we talk about, but it's just hard to open that book. And it's very it. hard, isn't it? It, it? it implement, you know, I can read it. I understand it, but... Uh, and some of them I do implement it, but you know, going to that, what you're talking about is that ultimate satisfaction, the ultimate truth, right? I know it is the truth. I don't know what is stopping me from implementing it. Um, I'll, I'll take my own personal greedy example here. Like you said, we agree that book is the truth. It's going to tell you exactly what to do. The problem is we have more priorities in that living a life, financial freedom, family what we're attached to you we know the truth is this way but you can't decide between one or the other those are the bars of your cage you're seeing that you're seeing how it's stopping you from living the life you want to live you're seeing how those priorities are stopping you that's amazing until you make a decision say i'm going to go that route you're never going to read that book because you know it's there <laughs> exactly and, and what i just want to comment on what you is i think that getting whatever we are doing in the present moment is a satisfaction right there, right? Instead of reading a book and implementing it in the future, I'm going to get the benefit out of it. What I'm doing right now is, you know, finishing a task or making extra money or paying attention to the kids or cooking home, getting on time. That's giving me satisfaction right now. Right. Anybody have any help for Kenjo? Reading is one thing and doing it is the other. Exactly. I don't know why I'm not doing it. Because <laughs> you have to give up family. I don't think so. Uh, you might be right. Well, little by little, right? I think you've seen this whole... We do little by little. You're not asking about the Big Bang, right? Taking one step at a time. And those little things that you have to do in that book are going to take away eventually to your family. This is what we're all... Right, right. So, I would tell you there are multiple ways to get to where you're going. One way is to believe your soul. Another way is to focus on, there are some good parts that you've experienced and that could be from anything and that applies to anybody. Take the good parts that you've experienced and focus on understanding it and deepening it. So if, if somebody was inspired by when we talked about meditation and wants to go that route, do that. Keep doing that. Whatever's working for you. If somebody is, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of different subjects. Whatever subject is interesting to you about Jainism, keep that. Study it and go with it. 
and you will start to you can start to believe that you're a soul from multiple different ways and so you ha you said you have your time and that's great but if you have your time you said you had some protected time and I give all of you permission to focus on your spiritual goals for one hour a day okay so in that time You've said you read the book, but it's hard to apply the book, or so you I haven't have, opened the book. No, I've I've read the book. I've opened the book. Um, mm. Went through, but it just doesn't motivate me to open it. It doesn't grab you, right? Okay, right. so got it. So, what does grab you? What when you have your protected time to focus on your spiritual advancement? What you've said you've had some successes with applying certain things to your life, right? Right. What are those? Non-lying, uh -huh. okay, truthfulness, um, then, you know, um, and everything regarding, you know, non-violence, whether it's mm. by speech or action. Okay, um, so read those parts of the book okay. and reconfirm your commitment to those vows that you made and understand why they're important and what will start happening and, and, and do it because you're interested in it and it, because it increases the quality of your life, okay? So whatever we talked about, whenever applying it, whenever you notice you, it, it increases the quality of your life, lean hard into it, okay? And what will happen is as you open the book, because now you know it's true, you believe it, right? You know that nonviolence and non-lying right. will increase the quality of your life, right? So now when you have that protected time, open the book to those sections. And because you believe it, read about why it works and read about oh and you'll start to make connections and then what will happen is your subconscious will start to say hey and you keep doing that okay it, it might take you a week it might take you a year but as long as you keep opening the book and reading those sections that have increased the quality of your life you're on the right track and what will happen is one day you'll start to believe that hey these are two of the five vows Maybe I should look into the third one. Or maybe I should look into the other three. Because these two are helping me so much that you're sub it'll start leaking that maybe these other ones are true. And then maybe you read those chapters. Maybe you pick one and you read that chapter. And maybe you start, and it says, the book says, oh, how do I apply this to my life? Do this, this, and this. And start to do that. And maybe you'll fail. But then go back to the ones you believe in. And then say, okay, maybe I'll try this fourth vow. And then maybe you'll have a success. And then you'll start just reading that chapter. And you'll try to implement into your life, which is hard. I'm not saying it's easy. That's the hard part. That's why we're, that's what we're focused on in this class is getting this out of the classroom and into your life. And then maybe you'll have a success. And then now, okay, and then, then you read about it. And then it's a year later. Now... You believe that non-lying is helping the quality of your life. You believe that non-violence is helping the quality of your life. Now you believe non-stealing is actually what it's cracked up to be. Then you do the process again with the next vow. And so for everybody, that might look different. For you, that's the five vows. For somebody else, it might be karma, where, hey, I have looked back on my life and I have confirmed to myself that karma theory is true. And so now I'm interested in well, there are eight types, right? I need to understand. If I, if I believe in karma, I need to understand the eight types. So then you start looking at that. 
Or maybe you're interested in, maybe you believe you're a soul and you have trouble implementing it in your life. Then you look at the chapter of the book that tells you that the soul exists and what what are the characteristics of the soul? If I'm a soul, now I'm interested in what are the characteristics of the soul? And I read a little bit about that and I reconfirm my belief. And that's how you start. And guess what? That's how you start advancing on the spiritual path. Questions or comments about that? Did that help? It does, it does. And I'm, I'm trying to think this morning I was doing a mala in Mandir. Mm -hmm. And before I started it, I told, I'm a soul. You know, this should, because there's, there are people praying over right. there, people, <laughs> I could hear everybody. Right. I like, you know, I need to focus. So I said, I'm a soul and I'm doing it for my soul. Right. And that's how I started. And again, of course, the thought came, I, I, some of them I ran after and then came back. <laughs> and and uh, uh, there's another rule, uh, rule 75. That, uh, I don't know if people know about it, but started with, you know, you start something, do it for 75 days. Right. I believe in 21, but okay. 75 is way harder. Sure. Uh, but with 75, if you break it, you restart your your counter back. Uh -huh. So I started, like, if, if I get a thought that I'm spending too much time, I'll restart my Naukamantra. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's hard. like 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Talk to this guy. He knows how hard it is. Yeah. Tell us your story. Well, uh, this is about similar no Karwali. Huh. Uh, Mir used to be here. I don't know if he's still on the call today, but Mir, uh, Nick, and a few of us, one of our New Year resolutions was we'll do one no Karwali every day. Okay. And then used to do that and on our group we will update each other every day that I'm done for today mm -hmm. and that was keeping us honest and uh, right. uh, motivating each other. I think I did for the longest time and me did and Nick did and then I think they dropped off and maybe took something else. Initially it was just uh, an exercise for us, right? Because we committed to each other, we're going to do it. Right. Uh, our mind was everywhere. You're right. doing it as a part of process, okay? And uh, yeah, we are thinking about everything possible. Sometimes in the exactly. living room, sometimes people are talking and I'm listening to them, all of that. But I think over a period of time, the quality of that improved. Absolutely. Not that I can say today that I those some thoughts don't cross my mind. Uh, obviously, those things happen. But now I'm more focused. I do it in so-called our temple room where we have God and pictures and idol and all of that. And uh, I try to focus and think about just what I'm doing. And uh, again, not perfect by any means, but I, what I have experienced, and this has been for three years probably now, I do it. Now I also have fixed time. I do it in the morning. Um, um, and then, you know, I'm more focused right place nobody's there everybody knows that i'm doing my thing they won't leave me alone it's just uh i think right. now it becomes more focused exercise uh than uh, you know just for the sake of doing it right 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 uh, but i like it i think that is one thing and i've built onto that now a little bit uh, so i used to do one no karwali but now i also do there is one sutra which is about one of the guru Maharaj. Uh, it is called uh, Sattavisa, one of the Marasabs. Okay. It's a short thing, two minutes. But now I added to that. 
it just helps me think about how that Guru Maharaj did for his life and something to inspire from in the morning. So, but again, I, I'm not perfect by any chance, but I'm improving the quality and it makes me feel good. That's the key. Right. And that's what I'm talking about by there's multiple ways we can achieve success and it's just a matter of building on something that works and that's going to be different from everybody. Right. For everybody. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.